Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1052. Sure, ID10T has an Instagram account, which is ID10T. But we also have an email list because we don't shy away from traditional forms of communication. Um, if you go to ID10T.com slash sign up, you can actually sign up for the email list. It's not that invasive. We don't email you every day or anything, but uh, it just gives you updates about sales that are going on in the store or dates for things or just general good vibes. So go right now, ID10T.com slash sign up. But let's talk about you, the ID10T audience. Events at ID10T.com for the thing that you made or thing that you want to share or celebrate. Like Jason who writes, my friends did a thing and it is very cool. Nick, Laura, and Jessica have created an amazing musical, Glass Ceilings, that will be playing at the Rockwell LA in Los Angeles all of March for Women's History Month. I'm so proud of them. Women characters in the musical include astronaut Sally Ride and Jackie Mitchell who struck out Babe Ruth. Uh, so this is the synopsis from the website. Eight inspiring ladies from different time periods whose stories you should know but likely don't suddenly find themselves in the surreal afterlife of purgatory. These remarkable women try to solve the mystery of why they've been gathered together by sharing their stories through songs and flashbacks as they watch events unfold on Earth and wonder if equality for all will ever be achieved. With a pink-haired goddess, an all-female band, and a cast of singers who can really rock, this might be the most fun and inspiring women's history lesson you've ever had. So that's on the website which is glassceilingsmusical.com uh, tickets are on sale now show starts March 5th and runs all through March uh, and the Rockwell by the way is a great great venue uh, which I believe is on Vermont in this sort of Los Feliz village area if you're if you're an LA local thank you for sharing that Jason this episode is Falake Olowafoyeku. She plays Abishola in Bob Hart's Abishola, which is Mondays at 8.30 on CBS, um, or it's also on CBS.com. And uh, it, this, I loved this conversation. It was fantastic. First of all, she's a massive gamer, so we talked a ton about video games, and also their application not just as forms of entertainment. Secondly, she's a huge sci-fi fan and, and also a writer and a musician of multiple instruments. And she came to the United States at age 18 uh, alone, started from scratch, um, followed all these things that she was passionate about and managed to build this incredible life and create all these amazing things and continues to create amazing things. So I was really, really, really inspired by her in this conversation. Again, she's currently on Bob Hart's Abishola, which is Mondays on CBS. Uh, watch it and now listen to this episode, which is 1052 of the ID10T podcast with Falake Olowafoyeku. Beautiful out here. It is nice out here. It's this is a gorgeous place. surprising out here. Yeah. How long have you been in LA? 2013 was uh, seven years. Seven years. Yeah. 2013 is seven years ago. Yeah. It. 
2013 sounds like a future date. Like, it sounds crazy. It yeah. sounds like it just happened. But we're in 2020. Oh, my God. The ever uh, incessant march of time. Moves yeah, forward. I don't know if I believe very much in the numbering system. No? What, how, what, what do you think? My theory, I haven't really developed a theory around it, but I just don't trust it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an interesting. that's an interesting point, actually, because, like, we obviously need some kind of marker to mm-hmm. sort of figure out how to track things. But we really put a lot, we put a lot more stock into it than probably is necessary. Yeah, I think so. I don't know what the, I think it's just because as humans, we're just desperately grasping for some bit of certainty and numbers feel certain, but all the stuff that we attach to them is not. Yeah. The 80s. Yes. Uh, yeah. Was it VC? AD VC? AD. Well, now it's. And then when do they start counting? Now it's. That? Now they say. Uh, now it's Common Era. They say BCE like before Common Era, and then C. Now they say. C- oh, e. we don't use before Christ anymore. They don't say. Well, some people do, but the in the. But I believe. But science, I think, has sort of removed the kind of religious connotation, and so they say before Common Era and Common Era, and I. I feel well, like it's probably the what's same. What's common area then? Common era, like just like, common era. Yeah, I, 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 I feel like it's probably just the same thing. They're just like, no, we're no, going to change. We're going to yeah. make this a science. We're going to make <laughs> we're going to make this science, which is yeah. really. I was reading that um, in uh, in Africa there are fifteen hundred to two thousand roughly languages. There are over three hundred in Nigeria. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is incredible. Which yeah. you know, uh, Nigeria is about two hundred million people, which is yes, close to. So you have to imagine America is about three hundred and fifty million people. So to think of all of us in America speaking rough over three hundred languages, over three hundred languages. But that's also just the evolution of time. Mm-hmm. If America, you know, had a ten thousand, fifteen thousand year history, I would imagine like people in Texas, we would have a completely like the language. It's almost like the evolved. dialects. The dialects. I think. Um, I don't know what the point I'm trying to make. I'm still trying to wake up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we how immediately many, dive many, in. How many different dialects are there in America? Well, it, it we we d- have the Cajun, and I'm saying like so distinct that it's almost hard to understand. There's like Pennsylvania Dutch. Um, there's Dutch. There's uh, there's a Dutch that's in you know like there's like an like a. Uh, a Dutch that that exists in Pennsylvania, and then there's a little bit of a Dutch that exists in like Wisconsin, and, and uh, there there's Maine is okay. is almost kind of a dialect. Then but other than that, it's they're the Cajuns. Really... No, then then they, they're the Cajuns. Then there's Cajun, and then, um, yeah, Creole. the Amish. Yeah, the, yeah, the Amish, which is part of the Pennsylvania. Yeah, I Dutch. think if we recorded how how many different dialects exist within America, I think that's the same way the languages, the same pattern, the languages may have evolved over time. Right in in Nigeria now. It's just a accents like they, you know, the South has an accent, the Midwest has an accent, the Pacific Northwest, and like, they all have an accent because it's derivative of having to speak English instead of your foreign language, right? Whatever that was, right? And English is actually technically a Romance language, but all, but actually heavily influenced by Dutch. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, so our, it's a Dutch. Well, our accent is influenced by Dutch, and English is a is English is a Germanic language. It's not a Romance language, so it's part of the German language branch. But it's actually kind of weirdly influenced by Dutch, which I think is why, you know, like so many other languages sound so beautiful and poetic, and English, I imagine, just sounds pretty harsh 
in in a way. I don't think English sounds harsh. No? I do think Yoruba should be considered uh, one of the romantic languages, though. The English should be one of the romantic? Yoruba. Yoruba. Oh, Yoruba, yeah. Yoruba your language. I think so. Yeah. It sounds romantic. It sounds romantic. I think so. What is the what is the uh, what is the sort of the base um what is what are the base language rules of Yoruba? Uh, I don't know any. I don't know any. Give me an example of the base language uh, base rules in English. Well, so like oh. English is sort of framed English is fra- English is Germanic but it but it has a lot of Latin base in it so it is so there are certain rules that we follow that are, you know, European um Latin obviously Germanic um but is how closely related? Can you understand a lot of other dialects? Can you sort of pick up, or are they that distinct? No, Yoruba, Yoruba is like a, it's originated in, in Africa, as far as I know, and I should know a lot more about my history. Um, I, I do know the alphabets have kind of evolved over time, and um, I think some of the binary elements may have originated from, from our culture, mm-hmm. from, from Yoruba culture, um, with the ifas and our deities and stuff like that. But it's not derivative of any... European language at all? No, no, no. Of course no, not. No. Um, I mean, far, far older than any European language. I, I'd like to think so, but I don't know. I haven't studied it enough to know. Unfortunately, um, we do. I do understand other Africans around Nigeria, like Benin Republic, for instance. Mm-hmm. I can, um, uh, I can understand some of the some of their words. So they, I'm assuming. This is all guesswork. I've done absolutely no research on this. <laughs> I'm assuming that um, a couple of languages blended together, and uh, and so I can I can understand the Yoruba elements of their language. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's. I, I feel like you know we we tend to take language for granted because. Sorry. And also. Yes. Um, Brazil, uh, Santeria. I can understand some of the some of the people, some of the Hispanics and uh, Brazilians that um, practice Santeria. I can understand some of what they're saying. Really? Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. It, it it's it's so fascinating that we take we take our own language for granted and we don't really think about it a lot because it's just what we do. It's just how we communicate, and yet it's so much a a, a part of you know it's so much a part of our identities mm-hmm. and 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 and. You know, I like I know when I go home to Tennessee, I develop a little bit of a draw when I'm there because I'm communi- because I it, it's efficiency of communication. It's efficiency uh, yeah. of communication and also a sense of community at the same time. Like you yeah. want to feel a, a part of it, you know, like yeah. and you want to be a part of it. So it's it 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 really is interesting to me how m- much you know language and identity are relatively inseparable but we just just not something we ever think about most of the time i I think about it a lot i wish um there's a story about how my my dad didn't want us to have my brother and i didn't want he didn't want us to have um a yoruba accent so he didn't want us speaking a lot of yoruba at home but my mom would sneak and speak it to us and so (laughs) like i understand yoruba perfectly but because i never really spoke it my accent sucks Uh uh-huh so i shy away from speaking it as much as possible which is not probably the best way to approach it if i want to get better but um but I wish that I could just sink into it and just speak nothing but Yoruba all the time, especially when I go back home. Mm-hmm. It's something, like you said, it's something comforting about it. Right. Yeah. It, what, what, what was your dad's reasoning for not wanting you to speak it? I don't know. I would have to ask him. <laughs> <laughs> when, did you, when did you move from Nigeria? Uh, on my 18th birthday. 
Oh, like on yeah, your 18th on birthday? On my 18th birthday, October 26th. Uh, I think it was two, 2001. 2001. Yeah. And did you go to London? No, I went to, I'm assuming you're asking because of some inflections in my in my accent? No, because okay. I was just reading that you had studied in London. Uh, no, I didn't study there. We we spent a lot of, thi- a lot of time there uh, growing up. My father had... My father had roots there, so he he owned he owned property there, and so we'd always go there for summers. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I did end up going to some elementary school mm-hmm. briefly at some point after school program or something, but that was pretty much it. Um, my siblings spent more time there than I did in schooling, and my father as well. Uh, but I moved to New York first. I was in New York first. You moved to New York first, mm-hmm. and. I also read that you – well, there's a lot of things that I read about you that I really want to talk about because you okay. do a lot of stuff. Do I? I well, feel like I'm a bum. No. See, this Before is – Before this show, I felt like I just sat at home and played video games. <laughs> and I was going to – Do you sit at home and play video games? Oh, yeah. What are you playing? Grand, all the rock star games. Oh, uh, Grand, Grand Theft, Theft Auto, Auto. Red Dead Redemption. Those are mine. I love I – was, I was too afraid to start Red Dead 2 because I just – I realized like, like – a friend of mine played it for – Six months. I I played Skyrim for like eighteen months. Whoa! And I've been playing Grand Theft Auto for years. <laughs> Just the same online. Oh, online! You've yeah. been playing online. Yeah, I'm. I played yesterday. And you know they keep on releasing. They new keep releasing missions. new yeah. missions and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, uh, what? It, it, I, I didn't. I haven't played the online version because, again, if I knew that that was something that I could do, I don't think I would do anything else. And so I have to like temper myself because I know what my personality type yeah. is and it really scares me. Like, shit, I won't, I won't write anything or do anything creative. I mean, because they, t- I think perhaps they're trying to um, help us by not releasing so many new missions as often, <laughs> as, um, as, often as I would like. But uh, yeah, same thing with me. Now I just play the I just play the missions over and over again until I'm bored, and it's easier to let go, like to step away from it. Right. But uh, when I first got into it, I was on it all the time. What were your first games? Was it was it the Rockstar games when you ever in life? Yeah. Uh, the NBA's, the Nintendo's, the the one that had the Guns N' Roses theme song. Uh-huh. You know the the little ones on the yeah. on the computers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've yeah, been yeah. playing for a long time, thanks to my brother. <laughs> <laughs> But NBA's that's how I learned the rules of basketball. What's through playing the NBA games? It was through yeah. playing the NBA games, which then helped me in college in New York because I'd never played before, and I got on the basketball team. And um, see, video games really do help it, people. Yeah, I feel like I could kind of fly a plane. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> They're really funny. Is there a board on the fly? I've done flight simulator. Yeah. Does that count? It's sort of the same thing. Well, it kind of gives you an idea. It's realistic enough to at least. No, it would never help you. But, that's what's, but, but but what you said, I think, is actually a very profound statement, which is that playing a game actually informed you about a, a cultural thing yeah. that allowed you to easier, like, that allowed you to glide into it easier yeah. than if you had otherwise. Yeah, that's true. All the rules um, I learned, because we never really had, I never had, like, an athletic outlet in Nigeria, especially basketball. It wasn't their organized leagues now, but coming up, there weren't any that I knew of. Mm-hmm. And we definitely didn't play it in school. And for a while, I was in an all-girls school. And um, yeah, the only education I got was from video games and then 
when my brother wanted to dunk on me. <laughs> Wait a minute. So he taught you how to play just so he could dunk on you? He'd be like, just stand here. Just stand here. Just stand here. I'm like, I don't want to play. Just, just stand here. Just stand here. And then, <laughs> your face. Can you curse on this? You can say whatever you okay. want. Yeah. 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 There's yeah, no, so. there's no language restrictions. <laughs> this is on, this is the internet. We can say, we can say anything. Okay. Basically, we can say anything we want. Yeah. Have you been, uh, have you been to any of like the game conferences? Have you been, uh, since, since like the video game conferences, do you ever do you go to? You... No, I never have. Really? Ever? Um, no. I feel like once the word gets out that you are a gamer, you're going to start getting invited to things. I would love to, especially the Rockstar stuff, because I mean, you know, I guess it's because I'm a little lazy. I don't want to learn the controls for something new. Sure. And Rockstar is pretty much like. Once you know how to play one Rockstar game, you can play any Rockstar game. Right, right, right. So I kind of just stuck in, stayed stuck in that world. But I would love to. I love gaming. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah the big one here in, in L.A. happens in June. Where? Um, downtown. It's at, the, it's at the convention center. Oh. Um, and it's, it's, it's pretty massive. And um, you can, they have all the booths and you can go through. And the, each of the developers are, you know, like... Oh, and it's everyone, beautiful. you know, yeah. like Nintendo and, you know, like... They all the VR games. That's and, I'm like crazy about the VR games. I've done. I've actually done a bunch of video games, like voicing for video games, but um, but yeah, like I guess no one really knows about it. <laughs> now they're gonna know about it, which I think is very exciting because yeah. you're gonna start getting on the list where people are gonna like send you games and stuff. Oh, that'd be great. Which you, I assume you, I assume you have a publicist. If you do, just tell your publicist like I want to get on the game list, and you'll, they'll just send you shit like anything you want. Okay. Yeah. I'll tell. I'll tell <laughs> do you play? Do you play Switch at all, or what, what's your platform? No, I don't. Uh, play, uh, PlayStation Four. You play Switch, and I just ordered the Oculus. Oh, you ordered the Oculus? Yeah. yeah. So I could play myself. I'm. I. I've. I really want VR. I really want to be able to do it, but I just get motion sick after about really ten minutes. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? When I test when I test ran our um our our game the first time I played it, there was, we were standing over some sort of cliff and I felt nauseous. It was so realistic. Yeah. I felt like I was about to fall down. Yeah. Uh so I could see that. I wonder this sh- you could just take Dramamine and <laughs> That's not a bad idea. I actually t- what I I bought the um the things that go on your wrists that are like the pressure points that are supposed yeah. to help you with motion sickness. Uh-huh. So I'm I'm hoping that that will I'm hoping that that will help. Is it like, are they magnets? The magnets? No, they're just like these little knobs, and they kind of push on your wrists. And it's I, I don't know what the science behind it is, but it it de- it works because I've used them on boats, and I don't get, you don't get any oh, motion nice. sick. So I'm wondering if that will help. If that will help with the the motion sick? It's just like seven or ten minutes in my like. My head starts to get tight and my mouth starts to water and I just, I feel, I do not feel good. So I just, I just, I can't do like big simulator rides at theme parks either because it it just like, I just get, I just get nauseous. I have a guy who um, does magnets. I don't know the the correct term for it, but he uses magnets on uh, acupuncture, Mm -hmm. puncture pods. So it's actually supposed to be stronger than, um, than what, what are they called? 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sticking the pins in the, yeah. uh, the, the acupuncture. Acupuncture, there we go. It's supposed to be stronger than acupuncture because you can also administer it to yourself on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And um, he might be able to help. That would not be terrible because yeah. it it has limited a lot of stuff that I would love to do because I just can't. So they he just applies to different pressure points on the body? He gives you a diagram and then he shows you where to put it. It's usually on your palms. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the ones I have on my palms. And, um, and then you just put the magnet down and stick it on and you leave it there for a couple. Fantastic. Or just go to bed with it. That's fantastic. I'm hopefully, I'm hoping it could help. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you guys the information. I would love the information okay. because, uh, you know, especially like there, my wife and I love to go to Disneyland a lot, and there are ride, there are certain simulator rides there that I just can't, like Star Tours, I can't do because it just, I just want to throw up hmm. by the time we get through the ride. But I also read about you that um, there's a lot of music. Do you do you play guitar and piano? I read here's what I read: guitar, piano, and that you studied sound engineering. Yes, I have a diploma in audio engineering. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I um, music was my first love. That's actually what I wanted to do with my life. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to make music. And I think at a certain point in my life, I could just listen to music and just play it back on on the piano. But that wasn't encouraged in my family. It was extremely discouraged. So those dreams went down the pipe and. Uh, and um and then I moved to to America and yay freedom yeah and I bought my first guitar and started teaching myself but here is my self analysis I think the stigma and uh, the trauma of the people I love the most telling me that I would never succeed in a certain field got the better in me and it still it still is right and um and so I just do a little bit of music and then shy away and run back into the mouse hole. That's really interesting how that, because I think that's sort of the, 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 the great path of adulthood, I think, is trying to undo all the damage from when we were younger. Because yeah. that, whatever voices you were hearing when, you were, when your brain was forming, just sort of cement as yeah. you like your internal voice. Yeah, that, that becomes your coding. Right. That, that becomes the way you, um, I guess, you, you reason and you see life through the through the lens of your your family members. And so even though now I can articulate that that's what I'm going through, it's still... It's still difficult. It's still difficult to be like, all right, okay, I'm going to dedicate this much time to to music and creating music. I have a lot of music, and um, and I'm just expecting... I guess I'm expecting to, the world to feel the same way my family felt. Well, they won't. It. I mean, they just won't. You're, you, the, the fact that... The fact that you've been creating music anyway is already like an incredible, like you've already taken incredible leaps in that direction. And I'm sure at some point the knot, I always think of it as a knot in my brain, that stuff, it just loosens and you're like, oh, I guess I feel, I feel free of it now. I feel free of it now. But it does take a long, it does take a long time. It's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while. Uh, Your brother's a guitar player, isn't he? I actually found out, apparently this was, we all went through uh, a few of us went through this i actually found out that a couple of my and i found this out like in my late 20s i found out one my brother femi who's a pastor in england he told me that himself and a couple of my other brothers had to sneak out and teach themselves how to play guitar as well oh my gosh and i didn't find this out until much later until after i'd done it myself oh my so everyone in your family was musical and it was just discouraged yeah my father was musical my father played the the organ and he played classical piano he played the organ in church 
and um and so he got us i got i think he got most of his kids all started out on piano but uh, but he didn't consider it a legit enough profession to pursue oh wow and i'm sure that was coming from a place of love you know as well there weren't a lot of opportunities to to make money as a musician back then sure in nigeria sure yeah. but now now yeah now everything's different. I mean, the internet really did change everything. You it can, did. You can figure out a way to monetize almost anything if yeah. you can find your audience directly. Yeah. yeah. So it's so it's you have a lot of different paths that are forming because you have this musical passion, and then I also read that you were like a, almost going to become an attorney, <laughs> and then somehow like hard right turn into drama. Drama yeah. school. I mean, I never wanted to be an attorney. I never could imagine that life. My father, my father was one of the biggest legal minds in the country, and uh, in Nigeria, and he named me after the first female senior advocate of Nigeria. Oh wow! And that was the path he wanted for me, and uh, I just never could imagine it. I just, I just, it just never sunk in, sunk, never sunk in. It just didn't seem like it was going to be a part of my life. And um, even while I was being ushered towards that that route, I I knew at some point I had to segue. And so when I came to America, my results were stolen in Nigeria. So uh, my parents told me to try to get into college in America, and I got in. And uh, the plan was I was going to major in economics and then go on to law school. Mm-hmm. And so I started out in economics and graduated with a BA in theater. Oh wow, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and I don't even remember how I ended up in the theater department. I've spoken to a couple of friends from back then, and they said I saw some sort of audition flyer and went and auditioned. But I, that that memory is just completely gone. And um, I guess I was just looking for a way out. Well, your heart definitely wanted something in the creative fields, whether it was yeah. music or acting or something, and yeah. it and it. And when you think that, you know, you're someone who was able to pursue that, how many people have to suppress that their whole lives and what kind of dissonance that probably creates in their their lives because they didn't get to pursue what they wanted. I was always told that I, I didn't, I was always, I didn't quite fit in into into the world I was in. So perhaps that helped because I never really felt a strong attachment to, to, I guess my surroundings and um, the norms that that I, I was surrounded with. I think that's a gift, though, because if I think you it is. because in retrospect, in retrospect, yeah, yeah, at the time it doesn't feel good, but in retrospect, you know, the things that people probably said, the people that probably made you feel like, oh, you don't fit in, those are the things that made you special, and those were the sort of unique qualities that allowed you to do all these things that you do otherwise you know like i think i think one of the worst things you <laughs> you can you can hear when you're young is you totally fit in i know you want to hear that when <laughs> yeah, you're young you do. but if you feel like you totally fit in i feel like there there's not that kind of artistic fire doesn't get lit because you you just feel comfortable so you're like oh i don't really have to i don't really need to be introspective or do anything yeah did you do you feel like you led a pretty strong introspective life uh, okay. Like an internal life Oh yeah I think that's all I had For a long time 
I still do. I think it's carried over, and I actually think it's also a blessing considering the climate of of this profession. Um, at least that's what I'm starting to to realize. Yeah. Uh, I uh, I spent so much time by myself in my room, just thinking and daydreaming. And now that I know what it is, manifesting, because um, coming to, like I was just a kid in Nigeria, mm-hmm. and I wanted to. I guess Hollywood wasn't necessarily my goal. But I wanted to be performing on the level of the people that I was watching on screen, and I was watching a lot of Hollywood films, mm-hmm. right? And um, and in the worlds of X Men, that's what I wanted for myself. And um, and how do you go from <laughs> from from like being an African kid with no creative outlet to finding yourself one? One of the biggest shows on primetime television. Not only no creative outlet, but a creative outlet that is like actively suppressed. Yes. So it's it, like that is and that is the, another hurdle to get over as well. Yeah, and um, and I, I guess I have to thank the internal world and and um, and manifest manifestation. Even though I didn't know what it was then, I would just sit and daydream for hours and hours and hours and hours. Have you ever thought about mentoring? anyone because the the but what, basically what you the things that you overcame to get to where you are i just wonder if other people whether they immigrated to america or or, or just came from backgrounds that were not um uh, creatively encouraging yeah. you know being able to say to people um look I, this, this i know how you feel this is how i felt these are some of the things i don't know i just wonder if it's not if it's not obnoxious for me to suggest this, it could help you as well. Sort of kind of like helping, you know, counsel a handful of people about your experiences to, to, you know, to just kind of make them feel okay as well. That's actually one of my goals. So I have um, a couple of ideas and I'm going to share them in hopes that other people are encouraged to do the same thing. So one of the things is I want to start a a cancer foundation in memory of my mother and um, using holistic methods to, um, to cure cancer in Nigeria. These are all projects that I'm, I'm aiming to start off in Nigeria. The other one is um, <laughs> is an island I want to buy. And <laughs> <laughs> I love it already. I love this idea already. An island I want to buy and populate with people who want to live um, environmentally conscious lives and um, and sustainable lives on that island. And the third thing, coming back to what you're talking about, is an arts foundation mm-hmm. that uh, bridges the gap a huge gap that I encountered in my life um, for kids in Nigeria and hopefully other parts of Africa who want to be in the arts and then um, kind of creating a program that ties them to Ivy League schools and Ivy League um, institutions outside of the country mm-hmm. so they can uh, they can train and come back to Nigeria and use that training. I mean, that is completely achievable. and And the fact that uh, and your show got picked up as well. Yeah, congratulations! We're, thank. We're almost we're we're already airing. Yeah, I know you're yeah, airing, yeah. but you're like you're. It, but it's it's doing really well. I, my television experience is that when things are going well, networks tend to want to do more of them. But it your lips to God's ears. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it. Do you feel the because you want to do these things that are all. Um, 
they're all big projects. Do you do you feel a, a, a pressure all the time? Like, okay, you know, I have this platform now. My platform is getting bigger now. I really have to figure this out. I mean, how are you? How are you kind of? How are you not overwhelming yourself with all the things you want to do? Because I would imagine a lot of options are opening up to you now. Yeah, I, I am feeling some pressure in some areas. Um, being a master manifester, mm-hmm. as I know now, I knew all I had to do was think about th- those three projects and just send it out into the universe, and things would start to line up mm-hmm. for me to be able to achieve them. So I don't feel pressure in terms of achieving those three things uh, because I know during, at the right time and the right amount of capital that will eventually come into fruition. I, I feel pressure in um, just trying to figure out how to maximize uh, this platform um, for for my benefit and the benefit of, of people around me. And, um, and I think initially what I felt was like I had to go, go, go and do, do, do. And, and this is all within a matter of what six months? It's just been a couple of months, right? Right, and I'm I'm figuring these things out as I go along, but I felt like a, a lot of pressure to go, 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 and do, 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 and I had to kind of recall my former state when I was just at home playing video games, mm-hmm. and um, and in that state, the show came, in that state, a lot of other things came, and I just remembered that there's more power in me being still. And and just taking time to meditate, to focus, and to think, and then going out and um, acting on whatever strategy I come up with, as opposed to just being out, as opposed to just being out in the streets and just doing, doing, doing stuff. The being still thing is in, is an incredible power to <laughs> because it's very hard because our culture does not, at least American culture, does not celebrate it at all. It actually. We are through our own choosing because we want to be distracted all the time. We we run away from stillness, but also it's it's rarely something that you hear people. It's just not messaged out. It it just feels like we are rewarded with working ourselves to death, running in a million different directions, doing. You're you know you're not being if you're not doing, and it really is kind of the opposite. Yeah. I mean, the the alternative to being still like is financially beneficial to a lot, a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So it's not in their interest to promote that. Right. Uh, but I've found that it's important for me. And how do you, still. who, who, this idea of manifestation, I love because it, there, there really is, and, and, you know, I, I don't know what the, science of it is but i but my get but what i believe happens is that when you focus on something even if it doesn't have to be like the a wizard in the universe waves a wand that i feel like what it does is that it opens your eyes to possibilities and micro choices that you wouldn't have necessarily like things are revealed pathways are revealed and whether consciously or unconsciously you sort of you gravitate toward that direction and it sort of like meets you halfway as you're because you're open to it. Yeah, I mean there there are a bunch of theories about that. I don't know which is true. Um but it seems to all even prayer being one yes. of those tools for manifestation. Right. Um 
I see that there are a lot of commonalities, even though they have different stories like around them. Um, and that is that if you sit down, close your eyes, put your hands together, which could also be a prayer or it could be a meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, you could um, and and think about what you want and actually put it into words and ask, mm-hmm. ask yourself, ask a higher power, whatever. Um, the that higher power will hear you and give you what you want. So in a way, it's your your thoughts and your wants going out into the universe and somebody or an entity or, or God hearing it and saying, okay, here it is. I, I don't know how it works, really, but for me, I just... For me, I just think about it, I guess. I just think about it. I envision it. I envision it with, with not like a desperation, but with um, a peace and a knowing and um, and joy. Yeah, as opposed to some sort of de- like desperate, desperate, I need it right now. Yeah, it's... yeah, because I feel like the I feel like life in the universe does not reward desperation, because I think desperation is desperation is antith- in a way is sort of antithetical to like you know if you hang out with someone you can feel they're desperate you immediately you, are a little like yeah eh, because yeah. I think there's something on an evolutionary level that's like something is wrong with this thing. If it needs whatever it this so is badly. this person or this situation it need you know like it must be injured and to survive like it's be- you know like there must be some kind of we i think there's some kind of weird evolutionary thing about desperation that scares us yeah because i mean if if you're desperate you're not quite sure what to expect and you need to take something from and you someone. need to take yeah and it's like how much trust can you assign to someone that is desperate right or something that is desperate. Like right. if a cat, like if a cat, if you have a cat and you put the cat in a foreign space and there are a lot of loud noises, the cat becomes desperate to get out of that place and go somewhere. Right. Maybe crawls up you, injures you something. Right. Um, <laughs> it's just, um, I'm saying that because I just got kittens and they've uh, been crawling up Kittens, me. plural? Yeah, two. Oh, that's nice. Boba and Abishala. Oh, that's really sweet. That's really and, uh, sweet. Yeah, I guess you don't know what to expect from a desperate person. So that makes you want to keep a distance, I assume. I wonder if some of it, too, is awareness. And the simplest way to demonstrate this is if you say to someone, um, uh, you know, the color blue, and then all of a sudden they look around and everything they see is like, oh, that's blue. Oh, I saw that, too. And then you kind of have that moment where you go... Am I manifesting this or did I just never notice those things before? Like your brain has this awareness activator in it. So maybe there are things that when you when you envision something and you want to manifest something, you See open your brain to a specific it. awareness f- frequency that leads you down that path because you're open to receiving it. Does that sound weird? No, it doesn't sound weird at all. Yeah, I guess that's a possibility. Um because I and know speaking about frequencies, there's this whole school of thought that how does it go? I'm not a I'm not a master at this, so I'm just gonna try to remember what I've heard about frequencies and being able to. Uh, we all what's it? We all are energy based, right? Sure, that's what it is. And then um, like frequencies attract. Mm-hmm. Is that is that how it goes? Um, well, I. Uh, the if you're talking about like like magnetic polarity, like the opposites attract, likes repel. But I don't know if that works the same for. No, no, not in terms of that. I'm thinking more. Uh, okay, let me leave that one alone. 
I was thinking more in terms of um, spirit, spiritual thought. Oh, and spiritual energies. thought, yeah. attracting, right, right, yeah. right, right, right. And um, positive, if you think positively, you attract positivity. So if you're thinking blue, and you might attract blue. The frequency, the frequency of blue. Uh, yeah. you, you like sci-fi, though. Oh, I love sci-fi. Yeah. I love sci-fi. And it's um, fantasy, specifically. Mm-hmm. That's that's Fantasy that's sci-fi? What, yeah, like um, the X-Men, yeah. the, the Lord of the Rings, uh what else? I mean, the Marvels, Marvel Universe. That's that's what I thought I was going to get into as an actor. That's, well, it's still a thousand percent possible. Yeah, I, I was surprised. I was pleasantly surprised by um, getting into the Chuck Lorre universe. But I, apart from that, I thought <laughs> I was Lorry just <laughs> 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 I'm flying him to sci-fi as well. Are you guys going yeah. to LoriCon this year? Gonna be really we should big. have one, though. Yeah, we he, should have he, one. He literally could. Uh, yeah. And hashtag thank you, Chuck Lorre. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, I, I love sci-fi. I, um, I'm, my first introduction to sci-fi books was octavia butler right and i completely the first one i read i I think was parable of the talents and then i read wild seed Mm -hmm. and my mind was just blown i loved it and a lot of her characters she names um after she uses nigerian names on Mm -hmm. she uses nigerian names for a lot of her characters and um i don't know i was just blown i was just blown by that world because I don't know what it is about sci-fi. And you tell me. You're you're I do really like sci-fi. Big on sci-fi. As well, yes. Do you feel like the reason we gravitate towards sci-fi is because we feel like it's a possibility in this world or we want it to be possible in this world? I think it's I think it's a I think it's a few things. I think yes, that is one thing that we want. We want those things you know, like, of course I want there to be wizards, or of course I want there to be, you know, like... like mutants. Yes, of course I do. Of course I want there to be classified mutants. But <laughs> I also think... Obviously, I thought a lot about this. Like, you know, I grew up a really nerdy kid. I did not fit... Again, the idea of not fitting in. And so, in my mind, I really liked escaping and going to fantastical worlds where things were either idealized or, or there was some semblance of... Even with Star Wars, it's like, oh, there's a force. There's a force in the universe and we can tap into it. Like some sense of control in an uncontrollable world or a place where you didn't fit in. And so you create, you escape because reality itself is ugly and harsh. Mm -hmm. And so you escape to these sort of fantastical worlds because we live this internal life. And so to me, it, it makes all the sense in the world that... You know, there's such a strong connection between like nerds and sci-fi or nerds and fantasy. It's like because I feel like so many of us just kind of wanted to get out of the. We just didn't really feel like we fit in with this reality, yeah. or or just the idea that the people who don't fit in are the supernatural right beings who should be exalted and. Very- we all want to. We all want to be Harry Potter because we all feel like we're living under the. You know, like in a in a in a stair closet, and we want an owl to show up and be like, "You're special," <laughs> right? you know, because we didn't. We, <laughs> we want, didn't get that. Yeah, we didn't get that from our peer group when we were when we were growing. Yeah. And I had incredibly supportive parents, but just other kids just did not. There were three or four other kids who were into the same stuff I was into, and so it. Like I just didn't like reality. <laughs> <laughs> so that I think makes that sense. was some of it too. That makes sense. Yeah. Or have you ever thought about writing? 
I am. You are. Okay, I was good. trying not to. I was okay. trying not to talk about it. No, uh, come on, it's okay. I um, I've actually hired a writer. Okay. To develop the story that I've been sitting on for over ten years, and um, I tried to first sell it to to some studios in Nigeria, but they didn't think anyone would be interested in African sci-fi. This was like ten years ago, like 2010 or something. And she didn't think um, anyone like she didn't think Nigerians would be open to the idea of African sci-fi. Right. But I think we all know that's not the case anymore. Yeah, I think I think there's I think there's a pretty strong financial argument. Yes. <laughs> to support uh, the fact that people would be interested in African sci-fi. Yeah. So I'm like I I don't fancy myself a writer. So I've been looking for writers to work on. I have tons of sci-fi ideas, and um, I'm I'm now in. The, the development stage of the one that I'm completely in love with, and uh, we're we're outlining and creating the Bible now. Oh, this is great! And, um, and then hopefully we'll have something soon. See, this is great because you you do so many different things. I feel like this affords you the opportunity to sort of to really like top to bottom create some sort of a fun thing as a writer as a performer as a musician like there's just so much fun stuff for you to play with yeah yeah there is and thanks uh, shout out to city college of new york for my foundation in theater and musical theater because it's sustaining me but yeah i think with that foundation i'm able to apply all this different talents and i guess in a way it, it all seems to be coming together and making sense um, the love for music and somehow ending up in the theater department and this huge love for sci-fi because mm-hmm. now I'm in this world where African sci-fi is huge. Right. And I could pretty much put all those things together and create something, I hope, beautiful. You know, I, I feel like sometimes we have these ideas about ourselves where we, you know, sort of like you were saying, like, it's so hard to undo all the stuff that was ingrained in me when I was younger. And every once in a while, I feel like we we just assume that we're still that way. But when we actually dig deeper, we realize we've gotten over some things. Um, I'll, I'll illustrate what I mean. Years ago, I used to be terrified of heights, and I was really afraid of going up in tall buildings. And I got put on a really high floor at a hotel in New York, and I instantly wanted to have a panic attack. And I stopped for a second, and I thought about it, and I realized, oh, I don't really feel that way anymore. But my brain was set on this autopilot Hmm. to sort of just tell me, like, you're afraid of this thing. This thing is scary to you. But when I really thought about it, I was like, oh, I don't actually think I feel that way anymore. So Interesting. I, so I wonder, like, especially someone who is as introspective as you are and reflects as much as you are, I wonder if there are pieces of things that you assume might still be true about how you feel about yourself that you might have actually grown past because everything that you're saying suggests that you are really doing all of these things. Like, you're really pursuing them in a real way. And, and that sounds pretty great. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I, I mean, part of it is overcoming the fear. Like, talking myself out of it. Like, knowing that um, these traumas exist. And when I get to a point where someone says, Hey, come play, come have a jam session with me on stage. Mm-hmm. The fear automatically pops up. Right. Uh, no, I'm not good enough. Uh, no, music is not the all the all the thoughts, all of that, and then I'm I shut it down with a pep talk and do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And um, 
so we still exist, but I, I, I think, but um, I guess I'm trying to talk my way out of but it. The do, but the do it anyway thing is the important part because a lot of people won't do it anyway because they will listen. Like if, if your brain says, don't do this, you go, okay, okay, brain, I guess you're right. You're my brain. Yeah. But it doesn't, you know, our, brain, our brains don't always have our best interests in That's heart. where I guess um, stepping away from the norm and being an outsider comes in. Because you're used to going against the grain, going against what people say, going against what your brain says yeah. in, uh, in many instances. Did you come here alone when you were 18? Mm-hmm. So um, recently a, a, this, this guy named John Cho came on and, he, and his parents came to America from Korea. So he came here as a child of Korea and so he talked about being in America as a son of immigrant parents. But you came here alone. Yeah. And so – what was what was your experience at that point? I mean, obviously, of all the places to go, New York is probably a pretty great place to yeah. go right away because yeah. it's incredibly diverse, you yeah. know, as far as America goes. But what did you, you know, what did you feel? Did you feel connected to it? Did you still feel like an outsider? And how did you kind of fit into it? I just wanted to get away. I wanted so I I spent um, before I left. I'd spent what from the age of ten to about sixteen. That's secondary school. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you guys call it here. It's like, uh, well, ours is elementary school is up until about seventh grade, and then eight, nine, as junior high is like eight, seven, eight, nine, and then high school is tenth grade, eleventh grade, twelfth grade, basically. Okay, so from the age of ten to sixteen, I was pretty much for the most part in boarding school. Mm-hmm. So I was away from my parents. Yeah, and um, I guess there's a sense of independence you get from that, and as well as many other things, and. Um, and so I just wanted to get away so I could figure out how I wasn't going to become a lawyer, mm-hmm. how I was going to do something in the arts, or just, just get away and figure out my life. And so when I, by the time I got on the plane, by the time I knew I was going, uh, I was ready. I was, I was not looking back. Uh, and I came to New York, and I was like, oh, this is America? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't what you expected? It wasn't what I expected. Uh, my, brother, my brother-in-law picked me up from Long Island, and took me to, to to his house, my sister, and it just wasn't what I expected at all. It didn't look like Hollywood, right? You know, it was it was Long Island, it was the suburbs, and it was like a cloudy day, and we were on the highway, and it was so interesting, <laughs> and it was cold too, and um, and I knew intuitively that I needed to get out. Of, when the decision was made that I was going to go to college in New York, I knew intuitively that I needed to get uh, as far away from my family as possible if I was going to be able to figure out my life myself. Mm-hmm. And um, I started, I found a school furthest away from Long Island that was still within Manhattan and that was Harlem. And so I picked City College in New York and so that I could give the excuse somewhere down the line that the the trip was too far and I had to move out on my own. Mm-hmm. Otherwise it wasn't going to happen. Right. And, um, and so the time came and I made that argument and and then I left. Uh, I think it was within my first year in America. I left and I moved to Harlem on my own. And I got into modeling and segued into theater and um, bought a guitar and started trying to play slash solos. Uh, <laughs> the first one I learned was, uh, I think it was uh, Knocking on Heaven's Door, the first solo. That was the first one I so learned. So you bought an electric guitar or you bought an acoustic guitar? I bought an acoustic guitar. Okay. And then I bought an electric guitar. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just, you know, everything you're saying, even though, you know, 
I can tell you're very humble about it and you're trying to downplay it. But everything that you're saying is like you made incredible choices to to get to where you are. Like you you really the success that you're having right now, you fully own because you fully earned it. Like you, <laughs> you. you had to, you know, get out of a bad situation, change your circumstance. You figured out at an incredibly young age. I'm going to move here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to segue into this. I'm going to start learning this. And so those are really powerful choices and incredible things to do. And this is why I think you just whatever these choices are, whatever that was within you that did these things would be so incredibly helpful to other people who even people who have, you know, maybe not even like geographical barriers to overcome, but just any kind of whether it's family issues or just, you know, oh, yeah. I'm just down on myself or whatever. But it but there, but I really I hope you write a book someday and I really hope mm -hmm. that you tell the story and that you that you share it because I think there's a lot of value and wisdom in it that you might not fully realize because it's just your life. You just did what you did. But just <laughs> yeah. hearing it, it's like, Jesus Christ, like that's you, 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 these are incredible choices that you made. Like they're really bold choices that most people just don't do. Damn, I think I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just like, I have so many ideas to pitch you now of like, oh, you do so many different things and like, please pitch me. Oh my God, pitch what me. if you connected with Rockstar Games and you created a game and then you use that to fund the Cancer Foundation and you, the prop, like, it just. That is a brilliant idea. Right? That is a brilliant idea, and I have something around that. I'm sure you do. You, you, you're, you're, wow. a, you're a creative wellspring. Like you, <laughs> wellspring. just like I, I, it just seems like there's, there's. Can we hang out all the time? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Can we, can we have like a standing reservation somewhere once a month? I wish we could because even just hearing. Listen, we we all create we all have barriers that we either that were put upon us when we were young or we or they're self-manifested um either way and you know the more that we can realize that there's more in our control based on the decisions we make and the the way that we respond to the universe rather than allow ourselves to be led around by it mm -hmm. you know I feel like we constantly have to be reminded of that. You don't just figure it out once and then you've solved it forever. It's like every day we have to remember. Like, yeah. yeah. And so we – just hearing about that is – even just hearing all these choices, are, it just makes me feel like, oh, I should never have any excuse ever again if I don't – like if I'm like, oh, I don't think I can – it's like, oh, well, you know. I mean, we all think that. I mean, I think that all the time. I think that I thought that this morning. Yeah. <laughs> but you just have to, you just push through it. You just it. push through it. That's, yeah. the, that's the magic part. I think that is the magic part, pushing through it regardless. Right. Yeah. And does that just come from, um, just from a place of like, well, I'm going to push through this and then I believe in myself enough to know that I'll just handle whatever happens? Uh, I think for me, I think it's knowing that um, on the other side is something potentially good or better than whatever discouraging thought you have. Mm -hmm. um, there, I guess there might be two options. Either you, you, you do the thing and you maintain the discouraging thought you had or you find something better mm -hmm. or you feel something better. Like, I think there was, there was an outing I had recently that committed to. Mm -hmm. So... One have wanting to have integrity with my word um made me go ahead with it, and then um knowing that um 
knowing that there were these two possible outcomes. Either I still felt shitty or I felt great. Right. Um, made me go ahead with it, and I didn't, and I felt great. And remembering that there have been moments where often I feel great mm-hmm. when I don't feel like doing a thing and I do it anyway mm-hmm. also propels me. Like going to the gym yesterday. I didn't want to go to the gym. I wanted to just sit at home and watch Netflix. Right. And I, I pulled myself up and I went to the gym and I felt great. Even just that little choice. Like even if most people could just, you know, even even with little little choices here and there, I didn't feel like doing this, but I made myself do it anyway because I knew it was probably a better better for the long run. Yeah. Those do strengthen your resolve and it help does. you realize you can push through the barriers. It does. But just even the sentence, I wanted to have integrity with my word, like, holy shit, like what a powerful to, – to have that kind of a baseline of a, of a philosophy or a, a mantra. That has been very helpful, actually. That, that thought process has been extremely helpful. Even, and I apply it to the littlest of things. And, um, and if for whatever reason I'm not able to, to um, fulfill whatever I've committed to, I make sure that I acknowledge it and tell mm-hmm. and, and speak to whoever I'd, uh, I'd obligated myself to about it. But even the smallest thing, like I, I told my PR, I was going to send an email to them last night. Mm-hmm. And after I got back from the gym, I didn't feel like sending an email. <laughs> and then I was like, well, you said you were going to send an email. And if that's the one thing I can commit to in my whole life, which is... Say like committing to my word and having integrity, um, and um, and it's not necessarily towards somebody else; it's to myself. Right. It's like I've these words have come out of my mouth, mm-hmm. and so it will be. Yeah, and even that, and you know, reminding people that yes, mo- most things you're not gonna feel like doing, or most of the a lot of the time you might tell yourself, "I can't do this," or "I don't feel like doing this." And as long as you accept, like, yeah, my body will probably tell me that a lot. Mm-hmm. But it, it's not like you figure it out once and you go, everything's easy. <laughs> like you, know, you know what helped me one day? Uh, I was watching a documentary. I think it was about Serena Williams. And, like, she's the greatest athlete alive as far as I'm concerned. Right. And she says she doesn't like working out. <laughs> and I heard that and I'm like, what? And I, I'm, perhaps I'm, I misunderstood this, but I believe in that documentary. That's what she said. Right. And I was like, how is that possible? And um, and she's one of the greatest athletes. So she has to work out. I mean, not, not even just one of the greatest athletes alive today, like literally one of the greatest athletes in the Ever. history of humanity. Yeah. She is one of the greatest athletes. And she does not like yeah. working out. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I when not just the, that idea blew my mind. Yeah, I can. I might not want to do a thing, but I could still be great at it if I just do it. Right, right, right. Yeah, but also it sounds like you do allow yourself time to because again, in our sort of like overwork yourself culture, you still find time to play games and still time find time to relax and still find time for yourself. That was my norm before the show. I just spent. Massive amounts of time just <laughs> hanging out, hanging out, <laughs> doing nothing, and sometimes, a lot of times, feeling very bad about it. And and now the show, this like I've never been. This is the longest job I've ever had in my life. Yeah, and uh, I've never not had the majority of my time to myself. Right, and still I find that like on one day off. Uh, I'd be playing video games and I start to feel like a bum. Sure. And I have to remind myself 
to like I'm out of practice now with the stillness. Right. So I have to remind myself and think about think back to the days when I had time to myself and how it felt good and how I was able to spend that time manifesting mm-hmm. and use that as a reminder to allow myself to relax. That's really I it, it just it's giving me this image in my head of um this kind of metaphor for, you know, getting to places we want to go. It's like you're here and then there's an island. Maybe this is the sustainable island that you're going to buy someday. <laughs> but you know you want to get to here and you know the island is over there. So you 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 get in a rowboat and the water's going to be choppy sometimes. It's going to be calm. It's going to throw you off course. But as long as you kind of have an idea of like, but I'm going to, you wouldn't just stop halfway and go, well, I guess I'm just going to let myself drown. You're like, fuck, I got to keep going. Yeah. That if you can sort of accept the fact that that's kind of going to be the journey, then it, yeah. in, in a way it, it makes it... That's a great imagery. Yeah, but yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. and but eventually you're going to get there. No matter you might go off course, you might miss the island and have to come back around, but eventually as you long as you are committed to getting there, you'll figure out like you'll navigate all the shit. Yeah. And maybe just at one point when you're veered like completely off course, a huge wind comes, just shoves you right to the tip of the island. Right? Yeah. That does happen yeah. sometimes. It did definitely this show that this show was that. Yeah. This show was that. After, what, about 20 years in America hustling. Oh, my God, 20 this show years. Was that, yeah. And so did it... Well, almost 20. Did it feel like what you thought it would feel like when you... Like, when you get the job and, you know, it's like, oh, wait, what? I'm doing, like, a major sitcom on a major network? I mean, did were you able to process it or is it still surreal? It's surreal. I still haven't processed it. Yeah, I haven't really processed it. Uh, I was I went back home for Christmas uh, this past December, and uh, a couple of women like accosted me in the bathroom and were talking to me about the show and reciting lines. And I'm looking at them like they probably thought I was crazy. I was just looking at them trying to just sink, like just have it all sink in, like. Okay, I'm in the bathroom at home. I'm in some toilet at home, and they're, they're reciting my lines. And then I'm thinking, Studio America, Studio uh, Set. I work on a set. It's like all like I'm trying to piss it all together, but sure. they're so they're so far apart. My worlds are so my world is so huge and so fragmented. It's it's hard. It's hard. It's like I don't know how to place it. And then I'm in now. Now I'm in the mind frame of okay. Some people are going to recognize me from Bob Hatsabishala while I'm at home. And then I'm walking in the lobby and I see my friend I haven't seen in like 15 years. And the person she's with goes, "Oh my god!" And then I'm expecting Bob Hatsabishala, and he's like, "I saw you in Transparent." And I'm like, <laughs> and it takes me a second to put it all together. And I'm looking at him, and he probably thinks I was mean or something. But I was trying to process it. it. Yeah, I was trying to process it myself. Um, so no, it's, it's, I'm, I'm still coming to terms with it. Right. I don't, like, I look at the numbers, I, I hear people talk about it, I hear how, how, how well we're doing, I go to work, I see Billy Gardell, I see Chuck Lorre, and I'm like, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> you see your character yeah, name is in the title. Yeah, I see yeah. a picture of me on a cart, and I'm like, yeah, it's, it's taking a moment, but I'm documenting it in pictures. So that I during downtimes I can appreciate, and I haven't had a lot, but the goal is that I can um, I can go back during a long vacation or something and just relive the moments and appreciate them, reappreciate them again. Wow, that's really interesting to hear because 
when you first said, oh, I'm documenting this, my first thought was like, oh, so you'll, you know, you'll probably write a book or you'll do some sort of memoir. But you did it for yourself. And I, I, ju- I was just reading something today about how, you know, Marcus Aurelius wrote these meditations. They were they sort of like the foundation of kind of Stoic philosophy, which is the idea. Stoic philosophy? Stoic philosophy, which is the idea that you, you know, you don't control the outside world. You can only control how you respond to things. And yeah. you sort of release, you know, like... You, you you release your need to, you know, you're not the most important thing in the world, basically. It's okay. like you just, you're a piece of this world. And, and, and you know, he wrote all these meditations when he was essentially like emperor of, of Rome. and but What's his name? Marcus Aurelius. Oh, wow. And he wasn't, but he wasn't, uh, he didn't write them for anyone else. He was basically just writing these meditations because he was just trying to figure shit out. And it was just his, for his own personal journey. And I feel like, especially because of social media, so much of what we do, I imagine, is for, like, what are other people going to think of this? And so it's very refreshing to hear you say, like, well, I'm taking all these pictures so that I can personally go reflect, yeah. which, it, again, is just – I just think that's not something most people think to do, but it's such a valuable nugget of wisdom because until you really reflect on yourself versus yourself as opposed to – you know, like, how many likes did this picture get against all my friends? How can we really expect to grow or understand who we are or our own experiences? It's just like a really... I just never... I've never heard anyone say it that way before. I don't know. It's, it's really inspiring. <laughs> and because we take thousands... I mean, I have 80,000 photos in my wow. in my phone, most of which I've never looked at again. Yeah, I mean, I, I do that, too. I do that, too. But... uh I know, but I've always I've always taken pictures actually. Um, even in high school and, and in college, I was always the person with the camera, mm-hmm. and I would keep albums and albums. And now I'm just doing it virtually. Yeah, yeah. But the fact that we do have to remind ourselves to set aside time for ourselves, and we not not just to be alone, or not just to to play games, but to really sit to really reflect and try to understand and really take the journey and really experience it for ourselves and i just it's just not something i hear a lot of in any in any real way in our culture because we're so obsessed with like success you know but success is kind of an external metric yeah i think i i have to pay homage then to a lot of the teachers in quote that i've listened to during this so many years of free time uh, and that's like the Super Soul Sundays, the Reverend Michael Beckwith from Agape, um, just so many schools of thought that mm-hmm. I've listened to, not expecting to follow, but just to take what I can from right. and move on. Um, that's great else? too. Because Abraham you, Hicks. Because I think if, if someone, because I think people also wrongly assume that Oh, if I get into a philosophy or a spirituality or whatever, then I have, have to, to absorb be, it a hundred percent. It's like you can take whatever works for you and then just kind of toss the rest and then keep learning. Yeah, you know, actually, very strangely, I've learned a lot from period pieces mm-hmm. like the two doors, the, mm-hmm. the bourgeois. I think they call the bourgeois, right? The bourgeois. The bourgeois. The bourgeois. Yeah, uh, I've learned a lot from from watching those period pieces because I mean, the writers are obviously great. And um, there's just something about, I don't know how to explain what I get from it. I don't know how to explain it. But but going back to spiritual teachers, um, yeah, I, I've i listened to a ton of inspirational and spiritual um, 
recordings and, and, and videos and just to draw from it what I can. Uh, Deepak Chopra. Um, so I, I'll thank them for, for the way that I'm able to process as well. What would you say to someone who is 18, who's just come to America from another country and is just trying to figure it out? Like, what would you have, what would you say to yourself, you know, from 20 years ago, if you somehow, if there was a sci-fi situation where there was a ripple in time and you could just step through and go back? Yeah. Like, (laughs) what what would you say? In a way, I don't want to say anything because it's all worked out. Mm Mm-hmm. Or it's working out, I hope. Well, to someone else. You could say to someone else. else. Yeah, I'd say focus on the work. Um, But then I don't even want to say focus on the work because all the the experiences you get outside of the work are also important. But I'd say um, just remember to work on the craft, focus on the work, and spend time developing your craft and... um, and acting on ideas and inspiration as they come as opposed to just waiting. So if you're inspired to to, to play the guitar, for instance, mm-hmm. spend some dedicate like at least an hour a day on, on that. Mm-hmm. And um and like if you want to be a writer or so on and so forth, spend an hour a day writing or uh, a couple of hours a week, three, four hours a week, because that begins to add up as the as the months and the years yeah. go by. That would be my advice. What about fitting in? What about the idea of fitting in? Is it overrated? Is the oh, idea for sure? <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like we're all starting to to figure that out. Don't right. you think? Yeah, I I do. I hope so. Yeah, um, I think it's it's overrated. It's um, it's not authentic. We don't all want to dress the same. We don't all want to look the same. It's just and if you're if you're doing that, in most cases, you're just doing it to fit in. That's that's the perfect statement. Fitting in is is not authentic. Yeah. Because if you're trying to fit in, you're basically sacrificing Sacrif- something, a part of yourself, a part of yourself yeah. just so that people will, you know, like you or accept you. But you know, obviously, there are there are places where fitting in is a question of life or death. Life or death, exactly. And so that. That part is you can't you can't in that I mean in in that yeah I mean be authentic but not to your detriment right right and, right right um, right and as soon as you're able to create a path for you to live authentically um, it's you know this is something I still battle with I'm here I am giving advice on it but I still battle with that well we are all, authentically I, yeah forever I feel like as humans we're just forever students of that you know yeah. like we never no one figures I mean I have you know I have a friend who's 82 years old who's you know like he's he's a very wise man he's figured out a lot but he still struggles with like feeling insecure and feeling he still struggles with stuff I don't yeah. think it's it's accepting that there's always going to be you know some struggle but just that I feel like the older you get the more you go but I'll probably weather this yes, yeah exactly I'll probably That's get to the is. other when you're young you're like everything the stakes are so high yeah. and but as you get older you're like, yeah I'll probably be okay yeah. you know? it, it will get better yeah that the the idea that it will get better you have actual you have actual proof that it does right and so you're able to rely on that when the time comes around um but yeah, I still I still struggle with with um, being authentic. Not because I don't want to, but because I'm kind of weighing the other factors. Mm-hmm. Like um, and and sometimes, like you said, is it's, it's it feels it might at least feel like it's a life or death situation. Yeah, when you've been working towards something for a very long time, and then you have to figure out 
is being myself selfish mm-hmm. or is being myself the right way to go? I'm telling you, I'm going to I'm going to give you my contact information and anytime you want to like have a lunch, <laughs> kick ideas around, just sort of talk about philosophy or whatever, I would love that. Okay. I would love, I would that. love that too. I just I'll think it would be fun. I think it would be fun. I just think it would be really I don't know, you have so much you have so many insightful things that I don't even know if you realize that are in because you just sort of like it's just who I am and what I say and I'm like I'm gonna, I literally am going to have to go back and listen to this podcast and just write a bunch of shit down but you know integrity in my word is it and it seems so like well that seems obvious why wouldn't everyone do that but unless you really think about it it's just not I don't know like to but to have it as a principle sort of helps inform decisions you can say to yourself in this situation oh am I being am I am I Ex- am I exhibiting integrity in my word automatically makes a lot of decisions so much easier you go oh okay no for this or yes for this oh, sometimes harder it's because it, you because be- in like a situation where you're small talking and you really don't want to <laughs> I'm, I'm faced with this quite a lot I'm not I'm not very good at small talk right and I'm I'm working on it but there are a lot of times where I don't want to oh it's such and a cornerstone I, of American yeah. culture so do you say and my friends call me out on this all the time, but they love me and they know me, so they're fine yeah. with it. And I guess this is what I have in common with my character, Abishala, is when we're talking on the phone and I don't want to talk anymore, I just say, I don't want to talk anymore. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> and it's become, it's become like an ongoing joke. <laughs> it's become an ongoing joke. And I didn't realize that I did it until my friend Jonah was like, uh, okay. But <laughs> and uh, and that's when we were first getting to know each other, and now it's just like okay, all right, we'll talk later. That's really funny because especially <laughs> because you know the, the longer you do the show, the more events you're going to go to, you're going to run into people. You know what the fuck to say to them? How are you? Well, how's the thing you're wearing? Okay, nice. To, you know how long does this exchange go on to be considered yeah. socially acceptable? Like, what are yeah. you supposed to? I don't know. Yeah. I think it'd be really funny if you just got to a point in the podcast where you go, I don't want to talk anymore. And then we just... Well, no, I'm enjoying this. I'm actually really enjoying <laughs> oh, this Oh, that makes me very happy. Yeah, I really... I'm really enjoying this. I really, 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 <laughs> really appreciate that. But that's just... That's an honest... Like, it makes sense. Like, yeah. I don't... That's kind of what we say when when we, you know, we go, well, I got to get going. I mean, like, basically what we're saying is I don't, I don't want to talk anymore. anymore. Yeah. Either because I can't or because I just don't have anything else yeah. to say. But in in those instances, I'm not having integrity because I'm there talking and I don't want to and I don't say it. Yeah. <laughs> and in those cases, it's, it's not celebrated. If I was to say abruptly to a fan, I don't want to talk anymore and right. walk away, then I become an asshole actor. Right, right. But I'm just being honest in the moment. Right. I've never done that and I never will, I hope, because it's not nice. No, but maybe as... As people get to know you, they'll understand that. Like your friend Jonah, like yeah. they'll understand that. About they go, she's not being rude; she's being honest. Like yeah. she doesn't, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Are, do you go to Comic Con ever? I've never been. That's actually one of my dreams. I, feel I was like... hoping to go with uh, with our video game, Dark Vader. Yeah. I play the priestess on uh, Dark Vader, Immortal Vader. Uh-huh. I should know the name of my <laughs> video game on Immortal Vader, which is on uh, Oculus Quest. Yep. Oculus VR. Oh my god. 
No, you're I'm fine. Talking about okay. Uh, and um, I was hoping it's under the Star Wars umbrella, and uh, and I was hoping to go to Comic Con for that. But that's one of my dreams. Maybe I'll go to Comic Con for my sci-fi. Just to, well, I mean that is yes. A thousand percent. But and I, Death Race. I was hoping to go to Comic-Con for Death Race when we did it a few years back. I feel like now that um, now that you're talking publicly about this stuff, people are going to hear and they're going to go, well, we have to have her. So it, I really, really, really do believe that that is something that will, that will happen. I mean, that could happen this year. It's, you know, it's still months away. So you have time to prepare. Would yeah. you want to go? I mean, uh, if you – because there's probably not – well, I don't know, unless Chuck decided to do a, a Bob uh, Abishala panel. But other than that, like, would you want to just go as a, as, a, as a fan or? Oh, no, my dream has been to go at, with a project. To be like in Hall yeah, H, yeah. like up That's on the panel a, yeah. talking about a thing. And speaking, because I heard like Comic-Con fans are like the best. It's incredible. Yeah. It really is incredible because it is a... Complete, you know, for someone who grew up kind of a, I don't want to say ashamed, but sort of afraid to be really open about being into all that stuff. And now it's everything's changed. It is such a celebration of like pure passion and love. And like, this is a safe space where we can all celebrate the things without judgment that we love and come together. And so. You know, I mean, the, the the stories I'm sure you've heard are, are true. Like, people sleep outside of Hall H. Oh, wow. There's, like, a real community around it. They share food. They sleep on the fucking ground to That's get beautiful. in. That's beautiful. And then they sit in Hall H for literally all day, even if the panel that they want to see is, you know, seven hours after they sit down, they wow. are in it all day. And so the energy of it is just... It's unbelievable. It's 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 so magical. It is. It's like one of my favorite things in the world. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm sure it'll happen soon. If there's no question it's going to happen soon. Yeah. I mean, because you you seem to know how to manifest things, and it, you already. And I'm sure you're working on stuff you didn't even mention. And so it's <laughs> one of these things. It, it, it's definitely you know whether it's the sci-fi or video game or something like something is gonna something is gonna happen from this. But as we're kind of winding this down. Can you give some like meditative or manifestation tips or just something if you're comfortable talking about it just for people who are curious about it or, or just kind of looking for a way to become more more introspective in a positive way? I think it's um I um I think it's important to always come from a place of uh positivity and joy mm-hmm. i mean you're obviously able to manifest bad shit too but um i think to help whatever specific thing you want and long i think it's stronger to do it from a place of joy and love mm-hmm. yeah and passion as opposed to like you know the idea that Oh man, I read that book, The Secret. And now I'm going to manifest a Ferrari. It's like well, I don't know if that's really like an <laughs> authentic. That, but, yeah, is that what you really want? Right. That's that would be a good question. Maybe a Ferrari is what you really want. Or it's or it's asking the question of like, well, why do you want that thing? What do you think it's going to bring you? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times, you know, we can focus so heavily on I want this, I want this, and you get it, and you go, oh, this wasn't at all what I at thought all, it was. Yeah. And it actually brings more responsibility and more stress and more like. 
more is more of everything. Yeah, I think I think it's important to research what it is that you want and right. listen to stories of other people who have attained that, and um, and pay attention to what they say, what the where they're the negative, the cons, and the pros, but especially the cons, and um, and be very specific with what you're manifesting. Before I got this show, I remember thinking I, I saw a couple of my friends had their careers took off, and I saw the effects it was having on them. And I remember manifesting, asking for for success, but still being able to have um, my downtime, my free time, mm-hmm. because that had become very important to me. And I remember when I booked the show, my agents at the time, uh, David and Sarah over at a BRS, would always tell me, this is the best schedule in the showbiz. Oh, sitcom I, is the best. And I didn't get it. I was like, what are you guys talking about? They're like, just wait. Just wait and see. <laughs> and then the I got the schedule. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> wow. And But that was exactly what I wanted because I've heard stories about people feeling overworked and exhausted mm-hmm. and um, not having time to themselves. And so when I realized that my my personal time was important to me, I made sure that I infused that into... Um, into my manifestation. So I think it's important to research what you want. Right. So you can be specific about what you want. Right. I, specificity is really, really important, I think, too. And I, and I, I think one of your big challenges will, for the next, you know, however many years is going to be figuring out which options to take. Because I just think a lot of... Because you just like... You you, you, you do I mean, so many things. Stuff, yeah. yeah, it's just like, well, what do I pick? When, when you know, if all of a sudden you're given, you know, like your sci-fi thing takes off and you might be able to make a video game and you can start a foundation, you can do this. It's like, okay, wait, I do want to do all these things. How do I kind of navigate this too? Which will be a whole other exciting Yeah, thing to- delegating. I think that would help. Yeah. Delegating, yeah. Delegating is important. Delegating's hard. It's hard. Especially when you're not used to it. Yes. Yeah. Well, especially if you're if you're hiring people to delegate on your behalf, because ultimately you have to be res- like, responsible. You're yeah, the boss. So if something happens, then you know you. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm trying to navigate now, um, because I know that I'd be more efficient if I had help, and but I'm still kind of like trying to be private and sure and like make sure that I'm focused on everything. But if I do want to achieve everything that I want, I'm going to have to delegate. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm only ending the podcast because we've been talking for an hour and 17 minutes. It's not because I don't want to talk anymore, <laughs> but, uh, my God, this has just been so wonderful. And I really, really appreciate that you came out here in the morning. I, this, this drive was beautiful. I'm being honest. I'm having integrity and coming into this property I was telling Debbie, yes. Debbie, right? Yes. How beautiful it is. Oh, thank serene. you. It doesn't feel like you're in LA. No. And that view is gorgeous. Yes, it's really just sort of, uh, you know, d- sort of designed to create a feeling of, you know, there's a lot of little spaces around here where you can just sort of go into sit. a cocoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go into a little cocoon and have a little bit different of an experience. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, which I, th- I think is really important. But Falake, it's been so wonderful to Thank talk you. to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Please, let's have a lunch or something. I would and... love to do that. Okay, I think great. we should do it once a month. I would love to. <laughs> okay. All right. The end. ID 10T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. 